Seattle, Washington. I'm Zach Duvall, and this is a special episode of the Vine Pair Podcast, where today I'm joined by Devin Campbell, who's the proxies maker, and Charlie Friedman, head of proxies for Acid League. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Great to have you both here. Excited to be here. Thank you. Great to be here. Wonderful. Okay, so we I want to get into a little background about the two of you, but first we have to answer what is undoubtedly the most pressing question for everyone who's listening to this, which is, what exactly do you guys make? How would you describe it? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll start by saying what they're not. And um, proxies are definitely not de-alkalized wine. So there's that. Um, mm-hmm. What we do make, though, is a non-alcoholic wine alternative. So, you know, we we looked at um, the non-alk category and we saw that, you know, beer and spirits were really booming. But wine wasn't really the same. And I think, um, you know, there was... It, it's looked at with a lot of disdain um, and it's dismissed really easily. And that's because dealkalized wine is always, you know, taking something, taking something away and usually not from great wine to begin with. So true. We, we thought we needed to really do something completely different to reinvent the category. Um, and that's what we call proxies. So we often say you might have seen on your Instagram ads and apologies if so. We, we say not wine proxies. And that's because they're not dealkalized wine and they're not wine. They're really their own thing. Um, what we do is we, we build blends from the ground up um, with a variety of ingredients. And we try to make uh, a complex beverage that really fits the wine occasion and that hits on those characteristics of wine mm-hmm. that make it a really good food pairing. So something with texture and tannin and acidity and balance, something that you really want to you know, have with your dinner, something that you can swirl in your glass and that is interesting and complex and that you want to talk about and think about and, and you know, pick out flavors from. And so we, we make a bunch of different varieties and they're all quite different, but they all sort of start with a similar recipe that, you know, Devin can speak to a little more, but we, we use varietal wine grape juices, we use teas, and we use a bunch of different sorts of house-made extracts, um, cold and hot infusions. And we blend that all together um, to create something that we think is a cohesive beverage that really, really, you know, you taste each ingredient, but but makes one cohesive whole. Because often you'll see uh, products on the market that list all kinds of ingredients, and then it all just tastes like nothing. Um, and that's mm-hmm. the last thing we want with proxies. We always want them to be, you know, pushing the boundaries of flavor and being something that's really far more interesting than anything we saw um, in this category before. So Devin, I want to switch over to you for a second, and maybe you can talk a little bit about your background uh, as a winemaker and how, as a, as a proxies maker, what how the process is similar and maybe what's different about it. Yeah, definitely. A long time ago, I thought I wanted to uh, to be a chef. I was into kind of culinary and, and food, cooking myself, different things, playing with different ingredients. I've always had a, a bit of a fascination with ingredients in general, uh, but I then realized pretty quickly that being a chef is actually pretty hard. Um, so I shifted pretty quickly to uh, to winemaking. What, what's great about winemaking is you get to explore lots of areas of the globe. So um, I eventually decided to make the leap. I went to New Zealand, uh, to Hawke's Bay for about a year to do, to do my studies in winemaking over there. I would highly recommend Hawke's Bay as a region. Great Syrah over there. Um, and from Hawke's Bay, I've kind of been bouncing around. I went to the Hunter Valley in Australia. I've 
done a vintage in Bordeaux as well. I've been out to uh, British Columbia, Canada in the Okanagan Valley, which is another gorgeous region. And um, I've done some work out in Niagara in Ontario. So, you know, overall, it's it's a really great thing to do in your 20s, for sure. You can travel the world, meet lots of cool uh, and interesting people. And uh, so that's that's my um, my sort of work background. I worked my way up in the wine industry a little bit. And I know the co-founder of Acid League, Alan Mai, and we've been friends a long time. So he said, you know, we have, we have this beverage that we want to work on and we need somebody to do it. Uh, we don't know what it is yet, but we thought you might be a good person for the job. It sounded like a cool opportunity. So uh, here I am. I've been doing that for the last couple of years. That's a bit of a, my, uh, my background, but uh, I guess in terms of how they're similar and how it's different from the winemaking process. It's actually, I would say, uh, very, very different from the winemaking process. With uh, winemaking, you know, you have one ingredient and it's the grape and it takes a long time to mature and ferment and you moderate. And there's a lot of different winemaking techniques that go into that. Uh, but when you dealcoholize something like wine, it loses a lot of what makes wine so special because alcohol provides so many things for the wine, right? gives you the body, it gives you the aromatics, it gives you texture, uh, weight, concentration. So you lose a lot of that when you actually take the alcohol out of wine. And so we've decided to kind of come up with a different approach to making something that's more of an, I guess, an imitation of the things that we like about wine. Am I sort of making sense so far? Yeah. I mean, I think a, a thing that I have noticed and in, in to what Charlie said earlier too about dealkalized wine is that because you're in removing alcohol, you are, as you said, you know, stripping away body. And I think something that maybe listeners, some listeners may not be aware of is there's a lot of the the flavor compounds and aromatic compounds in wine that are alcohol soluble that are not necessarily purely water soluble. And so you're really losing a lot of those things. And, and you are kind of just hoping to retain some of that sort of outline of the wine. I mean, I think I've described on the podcast before, you know, uh, dealkalized wine as being sort of a shadow of wine. Um, and so it's very interesting to me to think about the way in which starting kind of from the op- from a totally different place saying, okay, we're not going to make wine and then take alcohol away, but we're going to start, we're going to make a bunch of things that are not alcoholic and combine them. It certainly, I think, lends to an interesting possibility space. I'm curious though, maybe for from both of you, you know, you, the, the term proxies is in there. And obviously, you know, the, the, as you said, Charlie, the idea behind uh, the product is as a sort of in these wine occasions, but, it, and, and you do kind of use a lot of wine, you know, verbiage and stuff like that on the labels, but also I think in seemingly intentionally, not necessarily saying, okay, this is our version of, you know, I don't know, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc or Northern Rhone Syrah or whatever the thing you might say, like, how do you kind of explain to people what they can expect in the bottle without saying, okay, we're trying to make this specific kind of wine just in a non-alcoholic form. Uh, you've, you've hit on our biggest challenge. I think, you know, when we <laughs> started out, yeah, when we started out, we, we, we did sort of take more literal, literal inspiration um, from certain types of wine. Um, we still weren't trying to make them taste specifically like a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, for example, but um, we're trying to pick out those characteristics. And what we've learned is, you know, similar to dealkalizing wine, that's really a losing battle as well. What we're interested by is how can we make something that's, you know, not a less than, not an equal than, but but in some cases better than or, or more interesting, right? 
we can we can explore other flavors we we can do almost anything within the proxies construct um what ties it to wine like we said are those those sort of key characteristics but there's no there's no need necessarily for this to be like this is our pinot noir this is our chardonnay that's always going to be a losing battle in some sense so what we think is like why don't we make something that's medium bodied and red and has that sort of like weight and fruit profile that that you might you know an acidity and a little a little spice that you might pair the same dishes as you might pair pinot noir but is not necessarily like setting ourselves up and setting our our consumers up for failure and and for misunderstanding so we want to be clear on that like that's again why we say not wine proxies yeah it would be difficult to do that you know to really we're we're getting better you know we can create something that we think reminds us of a certain type of wine but we don't want to hit it right on the nose we want to be a little more interesting and the case where we can be you know even a better pairing sometimes i think is an interesting point you know you eat spicy food people always say oh you know pair your thai food with riesling or gewurztraminer but the truth is you know alcohol and and spice and capsaicin are always going to react you know, negatively, it's going to intensify yeah. the spice. So here we have the opportunity to take something that has, you know, that lushness, that fruit character, that body and texture, and maybe it's actually a better pairing than wine, right? So yeah. we don't want to limit ourselves um, by saying like, this is our Riesling. Um, we, we just want to create something that's interesting and, and delicious mm-hmm. and that you can enjoy with your meal. Interesting. And so I'm wondering too, kind of in this vein, so... We've talked a little bit about the sort of process of of creating these, but I'm wondering, you know, maybe Devin, from your end as the person kind of making these these blends, these products, is there an element of wine um, that is hardest to capture? Is it you know body? Is it uh, the aromatics? Is it tannins? Like like when you look at kind of putting one of these things together, what you know, not to not to bring back bad memories, but what kind of keeps you up at night? Yeah, it's it, it's a difficult thing to to recreate because I mean philosophically, what you have to do is sort of deconstruct what makes wine a wine, and there's a few key things that stand out right away. So acidity is one of those, and tannin. Those would be, I think, the two defining features that make wine wonderful and make it pair well with food. Um, so for the tannin piece, I'm a big tea fan personally. And tannin is in okay. lots of things. It's in lots of uh, plant-based materials. So it could be teas, it could be roots. You know, you get bitterness from hops, but you can find it just about anywhere. But for me, this was a, a wonderful way to to feature different teas from different uh, countries around the world. Um, you know, China, Japan, India. But it's more than just that, right? You get regional specificity and terroir, even when you're talking about tea. So maybe. You're using tea from Darjeeling or the Assam region or Uji in Japan. Um, so for me, that was one of the wonderful, fun parts of this process is taking the tannin profile that you get in teas. It could be silky, it could be choppy, coarse, uh, and then applying that in these blends to create something that's going to actually sort of dry out your mouth and actually pair with the food that you're uh, that you're eating. So uh, that was really fun for me. And then re- recreating the acid profile was tricky, but again, we don't want to just be wine. So we have, you know, tartaric acid is the main acid in wine grapes. I don't want to get too technical, but that's what gives wine its acid profile. But we are sometimes using Mm -hmm. things like citrus as well, which has citric 
acid in it. So uh, the acid profile that we can get in our beverages can be similar to wine, but also sort of more vibrant or fresh or different. So there's a lot of things that you can play with if you understand sort of the regional specificity and the ingredient that you're dealing with. It's just a bit of a headache to try to figure out how to bring it all together sometime. I can imagine, yeah. I'm really curious now, kind of shifting a little bit away from the process of making and kind of creating these proxies and, and shifting a little more into what um, you've kind of hinted at a couple times, Charlie, the sort of uh, ways to enjoy them and, and times and places. So I want to ask this question first, and then maybe we'll kind of move into a little bit more of that. With the proxies, I mean, obviously, you have a lot of different potential consumers in mind, so I don't mean to, to narrow in on one, but... Are, are you finding that people, the people who are responding to this are people for whom non-alcoholic is is their kind of drink of choice? Or is this more people who are like, I'm a wine drinker, but hey, maybe there's a day of the week or a week out of the month or a month out of the year where I don't want something alcoholic. And this is a thing that I feel like is a kind of, uh, you know, it's maybe not even uh, – you know, not even a, I'm not settling for something, you know, I'm not, I'm not forced into the kind of the relatively <laughs> uninspired realms of sort of non-alcoholic beverage, you know, outside of these sort of, uh, outside of this category. You mean like the, the people in the comments on our Instagram or TikTok saying, just drink water, just drink juice. Um, yeah, no, it I wasn't, it, I, I don't, I don't dwell in your guys's comments as much. So, you know, I'll, I'm sorry. <laughs> comments are my life. Might my, my, yeah. be just my, my life. Yeah, no, it's it's more the latter. Um, obviously, there is a healthy amount of um, people who are sober or people who are pregnant who are enjoying proxies. But our core market and the vast majority of our consumers are actually people who do drink, people who are just cutting back on alcohol, um, you know, who want something special to drink on a weeknight um, or, or really any day of the week. Uh, you know, we're wine drinkers, I should say. I mean, I think that's probably obvious from from hearing Devin speak. Um, I used to be a wine writer. I, I still like to drink. Everyone on our team, you know, we our creative director is a wine lover and, you know, has done all kinds of uh, wine education, has done some winemaking as have I. So we come at it from that angle where it's something that we want to drink, um, you know, on nights when we aren't drinking wine. That, that gives us that similar experience and, and sort of communal experience, too, of talking about it and experiencing it. So that's that's really what we're looking for. And the nice thing is, um, you know, we have a very strong direct-to-consumer audience. Um, we launched these sort of last January, um, you know, the, the year prior, 2021. And I, I don't know if you've heard, but there was a pandemic going on. So, you know, we, <laughs> uh, familiar. we, we did want to launch these originally. The idea was like, let's launch these in restaurants and see how it goes from there. Build up credibility by, you know, having, having them in restaurants, getting feedback from psalms and chefs that we respect and so on. But that wasn't really an option at the time. So we launched as a sort of online, not wine club. Um, and the nice thing about that is that we get all kinds of feedback immediately, right? From our consumers, we learn who they are through surveys and, and, you know, just general analytics. So we understand that they're actually people who do drink, people who want to cut back, um, people who like interesting beverages who want to try something new. So yeah, it's, it's really more that, that portion of the audience. And I, I want to talk a little later about the kind of connection to wellness culture more broadly. Um, but we'll save that for a, a touch later in the 
in the conversation. I do want to ask, you know, um, this is going to kind of, I think, wrap both of these um, kind of pieces of the conversation so far together. And, and I'd be curious, maybe both of your answers on this. I think sometimes with any kind of part of the beverage uh, category, whether it's beverage alcohol or, or not, you have kind of this mix of potential consumers and people who find a thing that they love and just want it over and over again. And some people who are like in it to try something new. And I would think that obviously anyone who's who's kind of diving into proxies more generally is, is at least somewhat open to something new because it's, as you've described, a kind of a new concept uh, first and foremost. But within your within your kind of uh, customer base, are people kind of re-upping on the same, hey, they have their their favorite uh, one or two? Or, or are they like, hey, I want something new? And for the people who do want something new, maybe this is a better question for you, Devin, like how difficult is it or how easy is it to kind of iterate and innovate uh, within the sort of broader proxies space? It's a dangerous question. (laughs) Maybe I'll give a little preamble and then let Devin answer that piece. Sure. We have both, Zach. Like, So we started by just doing what we now call the proxies club, as I was mentioning. And Mm -hmm. through the club, we do three new flavors, three new varieties every month, um, which is kind of insane um this insane goal we've given ourselves and and we've stuck with it but you know nobody in the world basically has made pretty much any of these yeah you know there's there's a few people doing a, a semi similar things but following on and we've made you know well over 40 now so you know if you want something new and interesting every month we have the proxies club um it's definitely where we really keep pushing the boundaries of of what proxies and what non-alcoholic wine alternatives can be. Um, it's where we do collaborations with with you know great chefs and people from the industry. Um, we did one with Sean Brock, who actually has been a longtime subscriber and just reached out to us and said, "Hey, I'm I'm loving these. Uh, can we do a collab? Like, I don't know if you've heard of me. I'm a chef." And we're like, we've heard of you, Sean Brock. You're, you're an amazing chef. Um, so, so we did that. And Devin went down to Nashville and, and worked with him on that. But, but so that's the club. And then we've introduced sort of some of our past favorites that people have and, and kept those as permanent offerings. And those are available online in what we call the tasting set and then also in, in packs of single flavors. So the tasting set introduces you to those flavors, gives you essentially a mixed pack. And, you know, if you if you find the flavor you love, you can keep ordering those as well. Um, And those are the same ones that are available, you know, in restaurants across North America, um, in retail stores, in in a lot of fine wine shops um, are those offerings. And and then, yeah, Devin, Devin can tell you all about how hard it is to make three new ones every month because he (laughs) screams at me all the time about it. Yeah, please unburden yourself, Devin. (laughs) Yeah, we've been doing this for, I don't know, a year and a quarter now, and it feels like it's been three or four years. It's um, It's been a, <laughs> a very intense period of time with a lot of different ingredients. Um, but, you know, to answer, um, I guess, your question of, you know, who is it for? How do you how do you aim at your consumer, right? It's very, very difficult because there's so many different types of people that might be interested in proxies. And, you know... Everybody has a different palate and some people like more adventurous flavors and some people like flavors that are a lot more simple or safe. Some people are here because they just don't like the taste of alcohol. Um, So, you know, trying to find that bullseye has been a real challenge. I guess at the end of the day, I kind of go with the philosophy of you should make something that you would want to drink yourself. 
Um, and I'm really into flavors and ingredients. So, you know, what's, what's been driving this from the beginning, I think for me and for the rest of our team has been this idea of experimentation and, and creation. And so having this subscription service where we're doing three new proxies every single month has been hugely time consuming, really draining, really challenging. Um, you know, you have to source all of your interesting ingredients and make sure every concept is different from the last. So it's extremely involved, but what it does is it, it means that you're creating all the time and you're working that creative muscle in your brain. And hopefully by doing things that are cool and out there and unique and use all sorts of ingredients from all around the world, that's interesting to our consumer. I'm not sure. I think we need more data, but that's kind of uh, how I'm approaching it. Yeah, I mean, di different people like different ones always. And it's it's really hard to predict. Like I've gone uh, in the early days, I was selling them around Toronto to, to local wine shops and restaurants um, just by hand. And I'd go to you know, Psalms that I knew well. And I was like, I think you'll like this one. And they, they never chose the one that I, that I thought they would. <laughs> so it's interesting like that. The other thing that, you know, Devin was talking about is in the club, you know, we do have these permanent offerings, like I was talking about, but by doing the club, we keep improving our process and learning new things and, and coming up with new tricks. And we filter those into the, the core offering as well. We keep tweaking those. And at some point we'll have sort of you know, a, a larger change a bit, um, taking in some of those learnings and taking in, you know, to Devin's point, that data of what people really love the most, even if different people love different things. But that's sort of the the joy of it. And, and people will say, you know, like, this doesn't taste like wine. And I'll say to them, you know, what is wine? What, what tastes like wine? Like, there are yeah. so many types of wine, right? Like, I don't think a California cab tastes like a Pinot Donis from the Loire. Like, those are completely yeah. different things. They're both red wine. So, you know, it's hard to understand what everyone wants all the time, but we never really, we're not looking to please everyone all the time, right? Like, to Devin's sure. point, we're trying to make something interesting and different, and hopefully hopefully a good amount of them please a lot of people. And And that's been our experience so far. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about sort of serving, storage, etc. Because, uh, I mean, I think, you know, maybe the simple answer is just treat any of these like you would treat a bottle of wine. But is there anything in particular about, uh, like I said, the serving, the storage, temperature, etc. that people who are in, uh, interested in enjoying proxies should keep in mind that might be different from how they would handle um, a bottle of wine? I guess I would say that, you know... The the packaging is similar to wine. You have the wax, you have the cork. And in most ways, you're right. We do want the consumer to treat this like it is a bottle of wine, uh, with the exception of you're not going to get buzzed off of this product. Uh, but, you know, bring out your nicest uh, wine glass, if that's how you like to enjoy wine. Have it with a meal as often as you can. And, you know, in general, I prefer most of the proxies lightly chilled, but you should kind of approach it the same way you uh, approach wine. And then I guess after consuming, we recommend that you, you know, put the cork back in like you would with wine and keep it in the fridge. Um, generally pretty similar. Gotcha. Yeah. And they'll, they'll last a, a good week like that in the fridge open. So okay. you don't have to get through the whole bottle at once. Um, you know, they, they have a really good shelf life once opened. The one difference there is, you know, with wine, you know, often we talk about aging wine and that's not really something we want to do with proxies. Sure. We are constantly working to extend the shelf life. Um, our latest products are at nine months we're saying, but 
you know, obviously these alcohol, the one thing alcohol, not the one thing, but one of the things alcohol does really well is preservation. Sure. So without alcohol and because we use all these real ingredients, uh, it's not going to last forever. So we, we do say sure. to drink it within six to nine months. Obviously, most people drink it sooner than that, especially with the club where you're getting new things every month. But that would be the one difference. Like Devin said, you know, in terms of serving temperature, we give suggestions on on the labels or or in the box when you when you order it um, online. But obviously experiment if you want, you know, uh, different people like their wines at different temperatures as well. So and it will sort of bring out different flavors depending on what temperature you drinking it, drink it at. And the interesting thing we do find actually is like, if you are willing to decant your non-alkaline alternative, it is actually really beneficial to the flavor. Oh. So um, it's kind of fun. And then I think kind of the one of the last things I wanted to ask about, kind of mentioned this before, you know, we're in this fascinating sort of time and space in in alcohol where people are, there's a lot of conversation around ingredient uh, lists and calorie counts and nutritional information. And I know that, or I strongly suspect, I suppose, that for proxies, you guys are trying to kind of walk a little bit of a line that might be a little tricky in that, like, the idea behind everything, it seems like visually and presentation wise is for the for the bottle to to look you know, frankly, like a proxy for for a wine bottle. And, you know, Devin mentioned it's got wax and a cork and all that. But you guys do kind of put calorie counts on there, serving information, ingredients, etc. And so I, you know, how do you kind of balance what is, you know, obviously, I think for the for the both of you, it sounds like and maybe for the brand as a whole, a, a, a deep um, respect for and appreciation for wine and for beverage alcohol, but also a recognition that even if the it's a subset of your audience that some of your audience is really coming at this because they really don't drink alcohol at all. Yeah. I mean, in terms of having ingredients and nutritional information on there, uh, to be quite honest, that's a legal requirement. So ah, okay. um, with, with the Makes bottles sense. that we're selling in stores, um, we need to have that. But yeah, it's it's not something we highlight. I, I would say like, look, a, a glass of proxies has about a third, maybe less of the calories of a glass of wine. Do we highlight in that that in our in our marketing? No, to us that's not what what we want proxies to be about. Even if you know it is a question that comes up often, and I think probably would pull in a lot of consumers. Um, but we want the consumers who are more interested in flavor rather than you know just straight up wellness. Where we do maybe toe the line a bit is look, it's it's a non alcoholic product, and we're saying here's something you can drink so you don't have to drink every night. Um, but, but no judgment on your drinking. It's more just, if you do want to cut back, if you don't want to, you know, if you don't want to drink water because you're not drinking that night, like here's something fun you can drink. Right. So we're, we're more about that angle, um, than, than trying to talk about adaptogens or, or anything along those lines that you might be thinking about. To add to that a little bit, right, you know, just because we're flavor forward doesn't mean that that omits, you know, being a healthy beverage, right? And one of the ways that it is healthy and, and more natural is that we're not seeking out natural and artificial flavors and putting them in the bottle. We're actually using real whole ingredients, and those are generally going to be more nutritious. So it's a nice sort of side effect there. 
Yeah, totally. And I think I certainly understand, you know, I think one thing we've talked about um, on the podcast a number of times when it comes to the sort of non-alcoholic beverage space is the importance for people who do drink with some regularity of the still the ritual that goes along with having something more interesting than water, whether it's, as you mentioned, the the stemware, the decanter, potentially, the the thing that the, the sense of that kind of more adult drink, even if that drink doesn't have alcohol in it. So I can certainly, I can certainly kind of connect to that. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're seeing that a lot from industry people, right? Like we hear that all the time from Psalms and, and, and chefs, like I, I've been waiting for something that, that looks and feels like this and that has interesting flavor that I can drink when I'm not drinking, you know, people, people in the wine business, um, just drink a lot all the time and, and, but they don't, then they get at home and you, you can't do that. And you can't do that as yeah. you get older, you know, I felt yeah. that myself too. So, um, yeah, that's a lot of it. And that's, that's, I think why we've seen, you know, a lot of amazing restaurants, like from the French laundry to Gramercy Tavern, um, Sean Brock, Atelier Karen, um, et cetera, like pick up proxies as an option in their restaurants is the people working in the restaurants know themselves that this is something they want, um, and realize they can, they can introduce consumers to something new, introduce their guests to, to a different type of experience where the guests in a restaurant can, can get the whole experience now of, you know, having those rituals um, of the glass and the, the decanter and the bottle and, and really feel like they're having a proper pairing with those amazing meals. All right. Last one. Last prompt for the two of you. If you, if you want to learn more, Charlie, if they want to leave you snarky comments, what's the best way to do that? Acidleague.com. Uh, we're at, at Acid League on Instagram, on TikTok, I guess. Um, it just just starting to get going there. Um, yeah, you can find us that way. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what else there is to say about that. Uh, Fair you enough. Know, we've mentioned a few <laughs> a few restaurants and and wine shops around the country. You know, we are we are available in a lot of like top local wine shops in your in your area, wherever your area might be, and that that's continuing to expand, but. Um, in general, you know, if you, if you want more information, you can always reach out to us, um, on our Instagram, on our website. If you want, uh, if you're in the industry and you want to carry proxies at your restaurant or at your wine shop or any type of retail shop, uh, you can email us at sales at acidleague.com and, uh, we'll get back to you right away. Awesome. Well, Devin, Charlie, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, fascinating conversation. I'm very excited to see what you guys continue to do uh, with proxies. Exactly. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. VinePair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tastings Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.